Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pelican. It is June fourteenth, and tonight's episode is episode seventy-four. It is the Fresh Five, ranging from January, Frank, to May of twenty twenty. Is that roughly correct? Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Uh, yeah. You mean in terms of like the release of the movies? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, when you well, watched them. When you watched them. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but roughly the first half of 2020. Um, Honestly, probably yeah. in the past two months, I would say. I've watched okay. all Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the, the COVID, the COVID list. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. So the first half of 2020, like maybe one of watched- the the worst yeah. halves of any year ever um i may have watched the number two movie prior to the covid thing because i think my son was still in college like yeah. away at college when um when i watched that movie i think that sounds about right yeah so, but everything else has been since yeah. the coronation has happened so okay so if you i don't know i think i told you this frank um we've had a number of seemingly people downloading episodes um in the past week or so uh yeah. new listeners um so if there's any new listeners uh welcome to our um vanity podcast um <laughs> and uh, if you we started this concept of the fresh five last year where the idea was frank kept track of all the movies that he watched um over a few month period and then chose the top five movies that he had watched what regardless of what year they came out so if you watch something from the 70s um, for the first time it still could make this list so we had a really good time doing that last year uh number of movies that you know were more recent were on the list but some older as well this year pretty much everything's from 2019 2020 right yep yep and um so past few months frank's been keeping track again and while we usually end up having movies that are at least 10 years old and usually much older on these lists um this kind of gives us a chance to kind of talk a little bit about more modern film too which is nice so um before we get into uh the top five frank was there any movies that came close that to making this list that you've been watching recently um but didn't quite make it yeah so um invisible man came out uh, this year um, was one of the first movies that was released basically direct to video um, while quote unquote still in theaters. So it was after all the movie theaters were closed. And this is the Elizabeth um, Moss thriller, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of one of the last movies that was greenlit under the new um, and now defunct like revitalization of the Universal Monsters franchise or um, whatever banner. Mm-hmm. So. The Tom Cruise Mummy movie that was like abysmal from last year, that was one of them. Um, I think there might have been another, but I can't remember. But then there's this one. Um, I'm never going to get to see a fucking uh, remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm. So that breaks my heart. But um, it was, you know, it's good. She's really good in it. Uh, It's a pretty gripping portrayal, in my opinion, of domestic violence um, using like sort of the horror backdrop is kind of a I don't know like a really extreme metaphor I think for like someone being able to unescape not being able to escape from like a bad domestic situation um and just like the feeling of being trapped and like you know the inevitability of the other person finding them um good performances she's good in it um 
good villain, uh, decent special effects, like pretty low budget because obviously like, the antagonist is invisible. But um, it was it was it was good. I was pretty impressed by it. All right. For being what I imagine is kind of just even like a throw throwaway in that rejuvenation because you know you didn't get Dracula, Frankenstein. Um, you know, the like the heavy hitters, I guess, from the Universal Monsters. Like, it still was. Why was did that? Surprising. Do you know why that died? It didn't make any money. Gotcha. Basically, Tom Cruise ruined it with that stupid mummy movie. Mm. Oh, Tom Cruise ruining everything. Right. And, you know, not even like a good mummy movie. Like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> like, The Mummy is a better movie than that mummy movie. Well, Although this the first mummy movie is fun. Like, I, it, I shit on that movie, but. Well, if this is a vanity podcast, that's a vanity career at this point, right? So Right, right, yeah, well. Yeah. He still makes good stuff once in a while. Like, all the Mission Impossible movies have been enjoyable, in my opinion. And I liked um, Edge of Tomorrow, or whatever the fuck that movie was called, where he keeps getting reborn as, like, a soldier. That movie's pretty I haven't seen that, but, yeah. It's enjoyable. It's good. Yeah. All right. Um... Thought about putting uh, that, the Vast of Night uh, Amazon um, movie on there. Uh, again, another like really small, kind of simple concept, low-budget sci-fi movie with sort of a Twilight Zone-ish feel to it. Um, that's kind of like about alien abduction, but it's really just about people trying to solve this mystery of this noise that's been recorded. Um, good performances, again, really well-written. Um, really good use of darkness and yep. sound yep um you actually recommended it to me and i i was pretty impressed by that um uh, elijah wood movie that came out this year called come to daddy um about a guy trying to reconnect with his father after a lifetime of basically being abandoned by him um another like home invasion i don't know like person who you wouldn't expect to be like a badass turns into a badass it, really implausible but um elijah wood is fantastic and like he's hilarious in that movie um and it's got some really good like it's a really good like horror comedy kind of yeah. um set in like a really uncommon like one of my least favorite horror settings which is home invasion um but really well done like i i thought it was good and worth worth watching um, I watched a movie that came out maybe like five years ago called Look Who's Back mm-hmm. um, about Hitler basically like regaining consciousness in the year 2014 and like moving through Germany and like trying to like reacclimate himself to the world um, while still believing that he's, you know, the Fuhrer. Um, it was a German produced movie made in Germany done in like uh, Sacha Baron Cohen style. Okay. Where they would basically walk around with this man who looks surprisingly like Hitler, dressed like Hitler, and like interview Germans. Um, kind of scary in the sense that like they really do pull a lot of like latent bigotry and nationalism out of people, mm-hmm. um, and get people to admit that they would vote for Hitler like today, uh, which is kind of uncomfortable. Um, right. But it's really funny too. Like there's some hilarious stuff in it. Um, particularly a scene where hitler is using a dead dog as a puppet which sounds like awful and it's like a really uncomfortable scene but i don't know there's something about it like it's one of those like you're laughing in spite of yourself because it's so disgusting Mm. um you would not be happy at all with it 
Right. Um, and then a movie I actually just finished watching prior to the podcast, which is not like necessarily a recommendation of the movie, but this uh, movie Becky, um, another home invasion movie with like a young girl being like the whatever the ultimate badass that like murders all these fucking um, Aryan like convict escapees who have like invaded her home. Um, but Kevin James plays the main antagonist in it and fucking amazing performance by Kevin James. Like unrecognizable seriously for the first like six or seven minutes that I saw it until I, cause I hadn't like looked at anything about the movie. I just read the description and watched it on Amazon. And all of a sudden, like, and when I looked it up, I was like, Oh my God, that's Kevin James. He actually looks like the big show kind of in it, like the wrestler. <laughs> so, um, but really, like, really fantastic performance. And some decent performances from, like, Joel McHale is in it. And um, the little girl who plays, like, the, the titular character. She she does a really good job, but not really fleshed out enough in terms of plot. Like, the narrative is really weak. And um, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief that just, it's almost too much. But, um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, a bad movie. Like, I didn't think it was terrible or anything. But he was, Kevin James, definitely the best part of it. So Kevin James is looking like the big show and the big shows in lame sitcoms now. So children's comedy. Role reversal. Yeah. Um okay. And I do just want to say about Vast of Night, one the one thing I want to say about that, because uh, it is something I watched out of those movies, is if you are going to watch Vast of Night, watch in the dark. Um that's the one recommendation I'll make if you're going to watch it is because I think it's really important to like kind of have the lights down um, while yeah. watching that movie for it to be visually as effective, I think. Um, and, and with your sound up in a quiet environment, so you can like really right yep. appreciate like the, just the, the skill that went into that, like audio editing in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. I've, I'm trying to think. There was a couple of thoughts I had as you were going through that list. Oh, home invasion stuff. Um, well, you know what? That there's maybe there's a chance for that to come up later. I'll hold off on that. Um, there actually is a uh, something is being murdered outside my house. That's distracting. I live in the woods. Uh, everybody, like there, there's probably there's it's an animal, like it's being murdered, not a person. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, okay yeah i guess i i guess i don't have anything i watched defy uh defy bloods today um oh, how was that i've thought about watching that it's um engaging bordering on good um <laughs> but i don't think fantastic really good performances from a lot of people in that cast um most specifically delry lindo um who I, I, like was in it. I think is a really uh just overall most of his career has been pretty underrated um in terms of his range yeah it's um oh damn clark peters um oh really uh, clark peters delry lindo Oh, I forget the Isaiah Whitlock Jr. that played uh, Clay Davis in The Wire. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. He's a stage actor. Um, plays the the other one. Um, uh, 
other blood that um that goes back to Vietnam, and then um oh why am I f- his name is slipping me Black Panther um uh he plays the uh, other titular like fifth blood that was killed in Vietnam um because the whole premise is them going back to go get his body um when he was left behind when he was killed like forty some years later. Um, but it's good. It's it, it. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's just not great, but it's good. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So, anything else you want to mention, like at all, from what you've been watching? Yeah, we can get started. Okay. All right. So before we do that, I just do want to mention, do a little bit of advertising. We're going to take a break next week for Father's Day. Um, and then we'll be back at the last weekend of the month with the top five tropical movies. Um, and uh, not the most topical um, movies necessarily, but they are tropical. Um and then we're going to go on a run in July where we have uh, three episodes, the work, worst top five worst blockbusters, the top five best blockbusters, and the top five Americana movies. So um, over the course of the next month, we're really gone summer heavy um, in a summer where um, ostensibly people can't really do much. Um, so except for that they are. Okay, um, so that's what's coming up. Uh, as always, if you have any suggestions for us, please feel free to contact us on Instagram um, or Facebook, uh, or you can email us at twoguys5movies at gmail.com. Other than that, you ready to get started, Frank? Yep, let's, let's go. Okay, number five on your list is The Other Lamb from 2020. Oh boy, here we go. Um, so it's directed by Mal Gorzada Shumaska. Um, it stars Mikhail Hausman, <clears throat> Rafi Cassidy, Dennis Goff, and Eve Connolly. It has a Man, 70- you you murdered every one of those names. No, I didn't. Except for the director. You got the director good. Mikhail Hausman. It's not Hausman. That's how I looked it up, and that's how they pronounce it. Man, that ain't right. It's 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 a little bit more like you know like houseman, um, but I'm going phonetically off the way I spelled it. But um, but it's more like house houseman, <clears throat> and golf is the way that you pronounce that last name. But her first name is Denise, not Dennis. Oh, did I say Dennis? Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eve Connolly, I got right. <clears throat> right. And probably Raffy Cassidy. I assume that's how you, that's yeah, probably correct. Almost has to be. Yeah. It has a 72% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, a 36% from audiences. <clears throat> Want to tell us a little bit about this movie and what you like about it so much? Yeah, I'm in that 36, I guess. <laughs> um, it's a look at a cult that's formed around um, like a David Koresh style um, pseudo-religious like Jesus type figure, uh, played by Michael Hausman or Mikael Hausman, ever like you said it. Um, Mikael. Mikael. Mm-hmm. See, it feels like it should be like Michelle. Anyway, so um, it's, it's Dutch. Not even in real language. So it's, it's a very common Dutch name, according to Mikael Hausman. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, so this group of all women and the one man live in the woods. Um, it's implied early and then like shown throughout his actions. That it's basically a like a, a cult dedicated to his sexual gratification at like grooming young women and then impregnating them and then possibly killing them as they get older so he can continue to maintain like a I don't know like a harem of like young women that then breed his next like generation of like girlfriends it's like a really disturbing yes um like even though they don't push that much in the as much in the narrative like they do a good job of doing it like subtly so um very otherworldly feeling movie like most of it takes place um with just the cult themselves in the wilderness so you don't really see a whole lot of like modern civilization which kind of lends it like a i mean i think i said like the way to describe you know it's like post-apocalyptic at times um just in its feel but also kind of has the feel of like like low fantasy like kind of a game of thrones type thing like with people like slogging through the mud and transversing like these empty like wasteland looking places um good good performances um particularly uh impressed with um raffi cassidy as the um the main like protagonist of the movie Mm -hmm. um Surprise has got as low a rating as it does because I kind of feel that it's a very like strong like female empowerment message in the movie. Um but I guess I don't know, maybe maybe it's too much for some people or too heavy handed in that respect. Um beautifully filmed, like I love the cinematography in it. Um really nice like shots of the wilderness and um there's a particularly effective plot like device where they've kind of built like this chapel, but the chapel's built out of like strings tied around trees um, to make almost like a curtain of like thread or whatever. And it's, it's really cool looking. Um, and again, like really post-apocalyptic, like a lot of it feels like you're watching this group move through this abandoned wasteland, even though there are like scenes where you can see that the modern world still exists. So um, yeah, pretty satisfying end to, I think, in my opinion, like I, mm-hmm. I, I like in the movie, um, and Houseman is does a really good job. I think is the like being a menacing, but also kind of like from your outsider perspective, you don't you see how he's basically just using like these women's own the women's own insecurity and fear against them to like maintain his power but he doesn't really have that power anyway. Like he doesn't really have, he only has the hold that they give him, I guess. And then once they break that spell, then he kind of loses all of that power. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought there were times where the pacing was a little off overall, but not anything that like destroyed the movie. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, but uh, there was it feels, like it, a, it feels like it takes them a long time to get from point A to point B once their time in point A is winding down, but before they get to like the like the rising action and 
you know whatever climax of the movie yeah that's a good way yeah that's a that actually is a really good way of saying that um in terms of the pacing i thought it was visually very impressive um i thought it was well shot i thought it was well staged um i thought the cinematography was pretty good overall i there are some things that i thought were a little pretentious in it at times um uh, especially all the lamps, like kind of symbolism, like where they use the fisheye lens, like in like the the group of lambs. Um, and like, you just have these like, you know, like lambs just like in the camera's face for like no reason. I, I uh, some of that sh- shit was a little grating to me yeah. at times, but. um, You hate you a fisheye lens too. It, it depends on how it's used um i, how I don't the, how about in the puff daddy video do you like it there well that's what it, it made it feel ridiculous because that's what it looked like um when these like sheep were like in it that's what it reminded me of it's like it was like 90s hip-hop video but it's all these like lambs like bleeding or whatever lambs do <laughs> right like i mean um <clears throat> so but i mean these these are very minor complaints overall i thought it was um I thought it was really well done. I, I don't know what to call this genre that's like developing over time, but um, I, I've been calling it in my mind like gender horror in some ways. And um, I don't know what term is being used, but it's kind of like the Handmaid's Tale, like is kind of like the big kind of cornerstone piece, it seems, of this movement where the the plot hinges on the subjugation of a gender and uh, usually female. Um, And that's the whole kind of like premise of the entire movie is that subjugation. And this kind of falls into that. And, um, and, and a lot of it revolves around cults, it seems as well, you know? Um, And I'm assuming that's because of uh, current, cultural trends to some degree but i thought like out of those type of things i thought this was more interesting because of that otherworldly atmosphere that you talked about it feels like it could be allegory or a fable um and i thought that was interesting um i thought the performances were good overall um i'm not sure about uh, mckeel houseman um in terms of like being a I thought he was good in this but it's like I question sometimes he's I I mean I guess the same thing could be said about a lot of cult leaders like Charlie Manson and stuff like that or David Koresh like how the hell do they become cult leaders but um I don't know I just like question like this is the dude that's like brainwashing these people um but yeah I thought this was good overall um and you're right satisfying ending to the whole thing um my uh my wife was watching this with me um she didn't mean to she was doing work and just ended up watching it she pointed out that (laughs) raffi cassidy um looks like uh oh what the hell Uh, daniel ratcliffe yeah Um, (laughs) and then once she said that i couldn't unsee it and um that made the the second half of the movie like distracting to me in some ways um because it's like i'm just like staring at her face and it's like it really does look like daniel ratcliffe except for with like virginia wolf's nose um uh so yeah that was distracting in the movie but um good performance um you know in it so yeah overall i thought it was pretty good 
worth checking out. Yeah. The um the the critical elements of this a lot of a lot of it comes down to uh the uh the direction of it a lot of times um and uh, a lot of people saying that it's like overwrought or overdone uh for instance even though the this uh, Dennis Harvey from Variety crazes the visual work in the film he says after a while all these visual poetics start to feel like a pretentious means of suggesting an enigmatic depth that it really when there really is none uh, also, the shepherd is too patently a false idol to warrant this this much mysterioso atmosphere, and the movie's indictment of such a sitting duck lacks power or even metaphor. Um, it makes me wonder, like whether like there there is some of that's true, because I, I don't think you did you ever doubt throughout the movie that he's going to get his comeuppance? Uh, no, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that so much. I mean, like, it's almost, I, like, I, I can't even really think of any, it's really difficult for a movie, I think, to subvert my expectations that much where I'm completely thrown off by what happens, so I don't know. Right, yeah. Like, that doesn't really bother me Yeah. so much. Do you think, I... I yeah, I have a hard time with this because it's like I, I I'm sitting here and saying it's like you know it's a good movie like you know but I I do think the idea that it does lack some depth is probably true. Um, right. It's 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 a good movie that maybe thinks it's something a little bit more than what it or is trying to reach for something more than what it is at times and maybe that is where some of that like camera work comes in that I think is pretentious. Yeah, I mean I think your use of the word allegory is probably what. Um what they were going for in it mm-hmm. like that you they do want you to suspend your disbelief to the point where those kind of like like threadbare parts of the plot you just sort of you know overlook yeah um i don't know i mean yeah. again i thought it was um there was a lot that i really liked about it and it was yeah. just a random, yeah like pick one day because i was bored on like a saturday or something by right. myself and just rented it and watched it so yeah Okay, so um, we move from one horror movie to another. Uh, this is number four on your list, The Lodge from 2020. Uh, it is directed by Severn Fiala and Veronica Franz. It stars Kylie Keough, Jaden Martell, Liam McHugh, and Richard Armitage. Did I get all those right, Frank? How, how did you say the first actress's name? Uh, Riley Keough. Okay, then yeah, that's right. All right, so it has a 74% from critics and a 51% from audiences, which really surprised me. So you want to tell people a little bit about this movie and what it is that you liked about it so much? Um, so I saw a trailer for this movie before I saw... I think this was one of the ones that we saw before on The Lighthouse. Um, and I knew uh, Franz and Fiala from um, Good Night Mommy, which is a movie from a few years ago that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty excited to see like what, what a follow-up would be. I haven't seen their other movie they made together, but um, like specifically, like I was, you know, I, I like the imagery in the trailer. Um, the movie's basically about uh, this guy who has two children. Um, wife has sort of recently died from cancer. Um, 
and or no, she kills no, herself. She kills herself. Yeah, right, she she blows herself. her brains out. Yeah, right. And it's uh, what's her name? Um, Alicia Silverstone, right? It's yeah, like, like, weird. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I got confused with the movie I just saw earlier today. So my <laughs> my power. Um, so the husband has like developed a relationship with another woman. Um, the kids don't want any part of the other woman, like basically being in their life. Um, and the husband, like as every husband does in any of these movies, makes the smart decision to bring like the new fiance, you know, on the Christmas vacation with the two kids. Um, cause every like father in a movie like this is a piece of shit that doesn't like take his children's feelings or best interest into consideration because he needs to get his dick touched. Um, so they go to this cabin that they ended up in the mountains um isolated like in the middle of the winter it's christmas time obviously um the woman has uh passed it's revealed that she was um the daughter of a man that ran a suicide cult so i guess another movie like you know with cults at the Mm -hmm. this one more like the the periphery but like an important part of the general plot um the kids basically uh turn to the screw the woman and like fuck with her um so she thinks she's going crazy and the place is filled with like Catholic imagery, Catholic imagery anyway. So she's already like super uncomfortable because of, like the religious impl- like religious overtones and whatnot. Um, so the kids drive her nuts to the point where, um, you know, she basically turns into a murderer, and that's it. So you know, feel good Christmas movie. Wish yeah. wish I would have seen this when we did our top five Christmas movies because definitely. Mm. <laughs> Um, yeah. implied at the end of the movie too that um, she's probably going to kill herself in them um, yes. even though that's not shown Absolutely, um, so definitely like a very bleak um, uh-huh. like very psychological horror that borders on supernatural like there's times where you're not sure if there's some other element like at work um, but really just the kids like fucking with her so much and you're kind of like shown things at up to a point from her perspective. So like, you know, you're not, you're not privy to the fact that it's a, like whatever, like they're running a game until it's too late for anybody to come back from it. But um, I think Riley Keough is really good in it as uh grace. Um, I think the children are um, pretty loathsome, but I think that's the point. Yeah. Like I never, really had any sympathy for the kids in it like they were just being dicks um i mean you know whatever like if the father knows that they're so upset about the mother's death you know you probably don't want to spring your new fiance on him at christmas but um still like the kids don't do anything where you're like man i feel bad for those kids um really well filmed like i love movies set in the snow like i love especially like snowy wilderness um, and I think it's really well done here. Like, I think it captures, <clears throat> like, the coldness and the bleakness of snow and, like, that feeling that even if you're in, like, you know, your own home in a comfortable environment, like, if you're just sitting there during a snowstorm, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, the way that, like, snow and gray skies cast light into a room is just, there's a certain feel to it. Right. And this movie captures that feel really well. Yeah. Um and again, like, I think it does a good job of kind of treading that line where you're unsure of what's happening up until the point where it wants you to know exactly what's happening. Yeah. And then just, um, 
her performance, Kyo's performance, like really carries it past that point. So I was really impressed. I was really happy to um to see it. Um glad that it was as good as I thought it looked like it could be when we saw the trailer for it in the theater. Yeah. I do not remember seeing that trailer in front of that movie, but um there was like twelve trailers in front of that movie. That's true. And yeah. I, there's two of them that I still have never been able to find because I can't remember what they were called. And right. I don't think they've been released, but I was like interested. Do you remember the one where it was um the kid and his dad were in like a cabin in the woods and there's like some monster that's like outside, but maybe the father's turning into the monster? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, vaguely. I can't remember the name of it. Like I, I, at the time, I thought like, "Oh shit!" Well, I can't wait till that comes out. But now that nothing's ever coming out, like I always got to find these shits on demand. And there's so many things that are like being released that it's impossible to like parse it. I did actually end up seeing that Hansel and Gretel and Hansel movie though, mm-hmm. um, directed by the uh, fucking Black Hood's daughter guy. Um, Oz, 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 Perkins, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, really beautiful movie, but like. I I couldn't even put it on this part of the list, like the things that almost made the list, because it's so fucking poorly written that it mm. just like ruins the entire movie. I think it's one of the few times he's directed something not based on one of his own screenplays. Um, gotcha. It's a really lackluster, like telling of a bunch of different Grimm's fairy tales like lumped into one. But man, is that movie gorgeous! Yeah, like it's so nice looking. It's really disappointing that like it's not a better movie, but. That's neither here nor there. Anyway, The Lodge was really good. I really enjoyed it. So, Yeah, I did too. I thought it was one of the better horror movies. I mean, I've made a couple of references to it so far. The way I've been dealing with COVID is, um, is to uh, drink and watch terrible, well, watch horror movies. Often they are terrible. Um, I'm not always purposefully looking for terrible movie like horror movies, but um, just so happens that's the case. But uh, yeah, like, so like when you recommend these to me it was like oh okay like at least there are a couple different ones and um i like both of these movies i like the lodge more so I, I, I agree with you i thought it was the pacing was better i like the idea there ha- there's haunted house elements to it which is always kind of like my bag or whatever um because you don't know what's going on and you know could this be you know whatever um and they do such a good job of like showing you their house like not yes, the lot yeah. but like the other house and making you think that maybe like there's something with like the mother's ghost or mm-hmm. even though they don't know anything supernatural like like to your point yeah like they 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 haunt the house with like the past and memory and like regret without like being overly like heavy-handed with that stuff like it's just really really well done agreed and i think they do a really good job of uh, the, the things I like, you know, which I think of as very, like, really good people that direct horror um, do. So, like, Kubrick in The Shining and Lynch and um, I can't remember who directed, like, something like The Changeling, who directed The Changeling, but, um, but, like, people that, like, will take these kind of ponderous, slow shots of hallways and allow your imagination to work on like what's going on and what could be there and those kind of things. Um, 
I, I really like that kind of stuff. And, and then there's a lot of that, like in this of like, kind of like this mystery of wondering of like, of what horror could be lurking there, even if you don't necessarily see the horror. So I really like those elements to it a lot. I, I agree with you that, um, Riley Keough is, um, really good in this. Um, I saw her in another movie where she played a supporting role recently. She's good in as well, but, um, yeah, this kept me guessing the entire time. I wasn't sure what was going on. Like it, it, it really kind of like had me stumped. Um, uh, and it's it's completely horrifying. Like by the end of that movie, um, of like what ends up happening. It's um, it's Peter Peter Medak is the guy that right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, um, what 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 Riley Keough movie did you see recently? Uh, she plays a supporting role in It Comes at Night. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's um, one of my favorite. She's in um, Under the Silver Lake. Oh, right. I had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one that probably should have been on this list, but I feel like it's been so long since I've seen it that I couldn't really consider it like that fresh. Really? That movie? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie, man. I thought yeah. that movie. Yeah. Okay. Um... What to argue about that movie off air at some point? Fury Road too. Is she? Yeah, yeah. She plays one of the um, uh, harem or whatever. Um, okay. Hmm. Morton Joe's uh, wives or whatever. I think she's the one that um. Yeah, she's she's one of the like main ones. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I wouldn't remember. She she must not. This is the first movie I noticed her in. You know, I mean, and she's the star, so maybe I should. But um, it'd be weird if I didn't. But um, that I really like, kind of saw her. I was like, oh yeah, this is she's really good here. Um, so David Rooney from the Hollywood Reporter um, really has a lot of praise for this movie. Um, in in a lot of different ways uh, from the camera work you know and cinematography to the score and he says that there's a strain of franz and fiala in refusing to indulge in the usual jump scares and jarring sound effects is admirable in theory but this is a movie where they could have used more aggressive assaults on our nerves in order to build up to its gruesome climax with another cold dispatch to mirror the brutal blow of the opening while the lodge is filled with haunting images um it becomes a little ponderous and wearing at times uh how would you respond to that? And it might be more of a question of theory of horror theory than it yeah. is. I don't know. I mean, so specifically, um, the directors like aren't about that. Like they're more about like your bang moments come not in the lead up, but in the, you know, the climax right like mm-hmm. it's more I, like the, I don't know I, I I think it's effective and I don't necessarily agree with with that estimation like it just like what 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 would you gain like where would you have those moments happen right because the kids the the kids are basically home aloneing her and to an extent mm-hmm. like by making her think that these things are happening but it's all believable, like the tricks they're playing. Sure. 
it's not necessarily believable if they do anything that like pushes the boundary more than that, mm-hmm. I guess. And I think that they have to be the villains and not even the villains because, you know, I mean, they're, I guess, I guess you can have some empathy for them because they view her as like the reason that their mother is dead because, mm-hmm. you know, the mother for her or whatever, but they have to be like, they're getting their comeuppance, you know what I mean? In like the most horrifying way possible. Sure. And I think that they need to be believable as like children for it to be horrifying. And if it's like Kevin McAllister running around like setting traps to make him like whatever. Like right. So right. I think it loses some of his believability. So I I because of like because of the twist and the end of this movie, I don't think that that I think it would have done a disservice to the movie to have it be more like bombastic at all or have like jump scares or have anything like that. I, I don't think it needs it. Just broadening just for a second. Um, how do you feel about like the idea of jump scares in general? They can be really effective. I mean, you know, there's some movies that use jump scares way too much and it becomes like tedious. Um, I, I, I think like picture you know, the scene with Leatherface like slamming the door open and hitting him on the head with a hammer and then dragging him in and slamming the door shut. Like, that's a jump scare, but it's just like so expertly crafted that you don't think of it like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not, it doesn't have to be like, the problem is most movies want to use like the fake jump scare way too much to set up the real jump scare. And sometimes you just need it to happen like once or twice in the movie where something interrupts the quiet of a scene that you're not expecting and you know like tightens your focus on like whatever like the horror aspect of it like actually gives you like chills or whatever right so but also there's plenty of movies that don't use any jump scares that are super effective so I sure they have their yeah. Place. yeah sure uh, i i agree i think if you're trying to use jump scares as the horror then you have a shit movie probably if that's the horror is only jump scares right. but um but if you you could if you can supplement a horror with a few jump scares like you said for focus reasons you know or or a little like relief you know in some ways of like the of the laugh the fact that you know um i think that's useful and effective but if it's just nothing but jump scares um and that's your horror then it's just borders on parody at that point yeah okay so number three on your list uh, moving away from horror for a moment well a different type of horror maybe right um is 2019's waves uh directed by trey edward schultz stars kelvin harrison jr taylor russell Renee Elise Goldsberry and Sterling K. Brown has an 83% from critics and an 81% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about the movie and what it is that made you put it on this list? So this is a uh, part two of movies. We saw trailers for in front of the lighthouse. Right. Wanted to see. Uh-huh. Um, it's a really, I don't want to call it simple because there's a lot of like complexity to it, but on the surface, is a pretty simple um, family drama, kind of, about a successful black family who lives, um, where are they, like, in Atlanta or something like that? Um, 
It's Florida somewhere, isn't it? Somewhere in the south. Yeah, I think it's Florida. Um, Son is a successful uh, high school wrestler, um, incredibly popular. Uh, the father is a successful and somewhat wealthy, um, what is he, a contractor, right? Construction. Mm-hmm. Owns a construction business. Um, the son has a girlfriend that he's been with for a long time. He's very, like, he's in love with her. Um, he's suffered an injury that he doesn't want to tell anybody about because admitting to having the injury means he'd have to end his wrestling career. So he starts to abuse painkillers to wrestle through the pain so he can, like, get past, um, I guess, the wrestling season and move on to college. Um, he gets his girlfriend pregnant, like, while he's struggling with the idea that he may never be able to wrestle again, too. Um, and they get in an argument where she refuses to have an abortion. And um, then when they go to reconcile, like, she still says she's going to carry the baby to term. And he kind of flies into a rage. Um they she blocks his number they break up then there's some high school dance and he sees pictures of her on like instagram with this other guy so he loses his mind and tragically that results in her death when he goes to confront her when he's high and drunk um which leads to his arrest and sort of the disillusion of their family like in the short term um the father's very um, demanding of him you know like wants him to push himself, wants him to succeed. Um, so the first part of the movie is kind of that, this is a bad comparison, but call it like, like the varsity blues part of the movie where it's like high school athlete, you know, like kind of dealing with his own like internal struggles and whatever. And then the second half of the movie is sort of the aftermath part of that that focuses more on his younger sister and her sort of struggle to build like a normal life as a teenager in the aftermath of this like terrible thing, you know, where her family's basically falling apart and um, she meets, you know, a, a boy and she falls in love with them and they kind of like, she kind of finds some closure by helping him like deal with some things. And um, the mother and father eventually like are on the path to reconciliation. And I don't know, it's just a really, um, really powerful movie. I think uh, really great performances. Um, it's beautifully shot, like the, especially the shots of like sky, like th- this, this dude is in love with shooting the sky and like shooting like the horizon, meeting the sky and shooting like fucking storms and clouds rolling. And it's just really, really, really well done, like really fantastic. And again, all the performances are really good in it. Um, it's pretty heartbreaking, but it also is, has like moments of like real hope, you know, for like redemption from anyone that anyone can find you know like a better path even if they're in like the worst situation um i don't know i just i was i remember i i think i texted you about 20 minutes into this movie and told you i didn't like it mm-hmm. um and i never talked to you about it like much after that but there's something about it like after basically from the scene where he goes to the party through the end of the movie i think is like incredibly powerful like all that stuff is really well done and um i don't know i just i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was a really really great movie that's that's nice really that's really interesting because i think i have the opposite reaction to you and i'll be honest like a really good break for me from all the horror movies i watch because i've been watching like almost exclusively like yeah horror and serial killer shit and like it's just nice to have a yeah 
I thought this movie was really engaging, but when I say the opposite of you, I think it's like what you found interesting. The parts you found interesting is the parts I found less interesting. And I found the other parts more interesting. Um, so I actually found the beginning of this movie up through that first half, basically, which deals with Harrison's character. Right. I found, I think the whole thing is beautifully shot. I think that he's obviously going to be a player um, going forward, probably, this this Schultz kid. Um, and... I think the score is really well done. I thought the music itself, like the music choices was, were overdone. Um, like I don't need, it's going to sound harsher than it needs to. It's like, I don't need this like young white kid to put Kanye or Tyler, the creator over top of scenes with black actors um, for me to understand that they're black. Um, and I think it's just kind of that was the only element that I was just like, Ugh, okay, like you know, you're. I thought it was actually taking the power away from some scenes by the musical choices in it. Um, but I thought that first half, it was just like, it's very manipulative. Um, I thought, but it was at every turn, I'm waiting for the hammer to drop. Because it's just building and building with all these little things. It's like, what's going to be the thing that happens here? Is it going to be suicide? Is it going to be some sort of overdose? Is it going to be a car accident? Is it going to be getting stopped by the cops and something happening? Is it going to be, you know, it's like, it does a really good job of trying to get you to a point where it's like, what is going to happen here? And it's still, I think you figure out what's going to happen right before it happens. Um, but I think it does a really good job of building that tension of waiting for the terrible thing that's going to happen. And I understand what the second half of the movie was trying to do is kind of like, how does the family deal with this in the aftermath? Where's the, you know, here's the hope, like, how do you reestablish? How do you, you know, come back from this? And I just felt the second half while... Taylor Russell was amazing in this movie um, in that second half in terms of her performance. I just thought the subtext, there was just not a connection. Like the, the connection wasn't strong enough from first half to second to me that it kind of just like fell flat in a lot of ways, even though again, it's incredibly filmed and the acting is really good in it. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I, I feel the opposite. Like, I kind of feel like the first part of the movie is a story I've seen so many times, you know, like mm -hmm. the overbearing father, the popular kid with, like, the stress on his shoulders, the unwanted pregnancy, like, all of those things, like, felt. But in most movies, all that stuff would break and everyone would come together without, like, the tragedy. And I felt like that moment of tragedy, like that one, you know, drug-induced or not, like one bad decision, like changing everyone's lives. And I kind of, I was really fascinated by the idea of like, like, how do you fix that? Like, how do you come back from that? You know, like this father has basically like broken his entire family apart because of his unwillingness to be, you know, lenient or empathetic or whatever. And it's just... Mm -hmm. 
like watching and i i really liked um you know the relationship between uh the sister and um, her boyfriend and mm-hmm. um you know the scenes where the father's like talking to the daughter um just really powerful like i felt you know really like moving those scenes i don't know i just i i, I really i like the fact that in that instance it did subvert my expectations where like you i kind of was like okay well you know he's gonna like come to his senses they're gonna come back from this and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit like this kid's going to jail and then like how does the how does the family recover i don't know i, I really enjoyed yeah. it plus i think some of the most beautiful imagery in the movie is in that second half you know particularly on like their trip to see the boyfriend's father and then they're you know the drive back and then yeah i agree with that father, yeah. daughter like sitting on the um picnic table in the water and yeah. her on the bike like all of those things i think are just like gorgeous so yeah no i agree with that part like yeah that that's certainly true um yeah that's interesting um so yeah i guess between the two of us it's like we 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 like the whole movie <laughs> um it's like different pieces of it <clears throat> but yeah i mean uh honestly a lot of people that gave this a negative review focused on the storytelling and thought the storytelling didn't really hold up or that the story was too emotionally manipulative or that it didn't really have a story at all. Like those were the complaints. It was almost all with terms of storytelling um, were the complaints in this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a dumb complaint because I think that it's, I just think that it's an interesting look and almost like subversion of like, what you would consider like the lifetime movie you know what i mean like it's a very adult and i think very like maybe realistic portrayal of like that kind of stuff i don't know i mean i don't know like some of the stuff is maybe stretches like you know your belief a little bit but for the most part yeah i mean i don't i just I, i i thought it was really good yeah yeah, uh, you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I did watch his uh, Trey Edward Schultz second movie. It comes at night, uh, which is on Netflix. Uh, it's a uh, kind of post-apocalyptic horror movie uh, during the pandemic, um, so it might be difficult for some people to watch right now. But um, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Actually, maybe it's because waves isn't necessarily my kind of movie all the time. Um, but I, I enjoyed this actually more than waves, even though I thought waves was good. Um, I thought this was, um, it shows this kid like between these two movies, it shows this kid has a lot of talent. Um, he's, he's, yeah, I'll watch him. It comes a night someday. Yeah. Yeah. He's a talented director. Um, uh, so I, I assume he'll be around for a bit. Okay, to me, this uh, coming up number two, Frank, is the main event of this whole thing, even though it's number two and not number one, um, in terms of like talking about these movies. Uh, so number two on your list is Dr. Sleep from 2019. It's directed by Mike Flanagan. It stars Owen Wilson, Rebecca Ferguson, and Kylie Curran. It is Wait, a... star? Huh? What is, who does Dr. Sleep star? Ewan McGregor. Rebecca you said Owen Wilson, you weirdo. Oh, did I? Oh, that's... <laughs> Actually, I want to see that movie now, um, where Owen Wilson plays Danny Torrance. Um... Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Sorry. Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran has a 77% from critics and an 89% from audiences. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh, what it is that you liked about it? So, film 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 adaptation of Stephen King's um, novelization follow up to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, um, follows Danny Torrance uh, in his adult life, um, still carrying much of the emotional weight and scars from his time, you know, in the events of The Shining. Um, finds himself connected with a young girl who possesses like a super almost like supercharged version of the shine um, and also moves back and forth between this cult of uh, supernatural serial killers who basically murder children that have the shine and then like eat their life essence in order to stay immortal. Um, which all culminates in a confrontation at the Overlook Hotel um, and allows for uh, Danny Torrance to get some some closure. And I think, uh, in my opinion, like kind of ties both both works together pretty well. And is I, I think appropriately pays homage to Kubrick in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, so what do I like about it? I was. I don't want to talk too much about certain plot elements because I think that if you've read if you've either never read Dr. Sleep and intend to or you've read Dr. Sleep and not seen the movie I think you need to be surprised by certain things so I'm going to try and be like somewhat vague in certain parts just because mm. okay. but we can still talk about everything just you know just be forewarned that there's probably going to be some like pretty intense spoilers at times because certain things we can't talk about without spoiling much of the movie but if you really Give your thoughts non-spoiler right now, and then we'll warn people. I think Mike Flanagan is maybe the most slickly intuitive director of horror working today. Mm-hmm. I think he just has a natural understanding for what works from a horror perspective, but also what translates into good images on screen. Um, I don't know. So what are you, what are you basing that assessment off of? This movie, Hill House, Hill House? Mm-hmm. specifically this movie, especially like I think that he does a really fantastic job here. Okay. I think that he's also very keenly aware of what came before him and like the value of those things. So I think that he's got like a definite like demonstrable love for Stanley Kubrick and the way he films a lot of this movie without being like derivative. Mm-hmm. If that makes like any sense, mm-hmm. um, I love the idea that they eschewed the use of like motion capture and CGI to like basically put you know Shelley Duvall and Scatman Brothers and right. Jack Nicholson into this movie in the way they do with like Grand Moff Tarkin or whatever or Princess Leia and Star Wars, right. Um, right. and just recast actors that remind you of them because I think it's it's not distracting at all because they do such a good job of kind of like imitating those characters and their mannerisms and Agreed. their voice patterns and everything and making it its own thing while still being very identifiably a link to the previous movie. 
Sure. Uh, and, and in kayfabe, it kind of makes sense because you're dealing with the memories of a child. Right. The, a child filtered through a man who's been a drunk for, you sure. know, That's right. 30 years or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, Ewan McGregor, best performance by him in probably decades, honestly. Like, just a really, really strong, self-assured, not even self-assured because he's obviously not a self-assured character, but a really strong, like, emotionally vulnerable portrayal of a man who's struggling not only with, like, the demons of, of the, you know, substance abuse, but also, like, literal demons. Um, I really like the idea that, like, he's used his connection with uh, um, Doc Holleran throughout the years to kind of protect himself from like bad things in his life and his kind of like redemption arc to sort of pass that along to like a, someone in another generation that can like use that knowledge to protect herself and like the people that she cares about. Um, King's novel kind of, King's novel is, is, is good. Like I really enjoyed Dr. Sleep and was surprised by how much I liked it as a book. Um, but focuses way, way, way more on the true not aspect of it. Like the, um, the vampire cult basically, Mm -hmm. um, to the point where it's almost a distraction at points. Like it's just, it's just too long. It goes into it. And I like the way that Flanagan kind of reimagines those things and changes the sequence of events and like some of the, like narrative push of the true knot and makes it more about Danny and Abra as opposed to like, you know, being a vampire horror movie because King can't help himself. Like King's writing, like basically a vampire, like he's basically writing Salem's lot mixed with the shining when he, when he writes Dr. Sleep. And I think that Flanagan like does a really good job of making it different than just a standard horror movie, which I, was what I thought was really great about um, Haunting of Hill House, too. Like, I think that it transcended just being, even though it was, like, a super effective horror TV show and had some of the best, like, ghost imagery I think I've seen in, I don't know, like, really, like, ever, maybe. Like, I'm really impressed with that that show. Um, he makes it more than that. You know, it's about a family. It's about coming to terms with, like, your past and stuff. And I think he does a good job here, too, with the way he, has um, Torrance interact with Abra and interact with like the ghosts and the Overlook. Right. So, um, and again, I thought it was a really fitting homage to Stanley Kubrick's work. Like, I don't think it was cheap or pandering. And um, I, I, the, the ending in the movie is different than the ending in the book. And I prefer the ending in the movie, which I almost never say. But I think that it was a much, I think King even like basically says that. Flanagan like captured something he didn't capture, so yeah. So yeah, so I don't know. I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I actually didn't read any criticism in this movie because I feel like I have a. Considering The Shining is like one of my top five favorite movies and my favorite horror movie, like I I really didn't feel like I needed to. I I think I'm I can talk about this probably just as well as anybody else, honestly. Um. I really love this movie for quite a while and I never end up disliking this movie. Um, I think Rebecca Ferguson is incredible in this. Um, I, I think the, 
I think that performance is really good, and I really like that vampire cult stuff. I think the scene where they kill that child by sucking oh, out yeah. its essence is one, one of the more horrifying things I've seen filmed in years. Um, for something that is kind of cartoonish, they still he still found a way to make it fucking horrifying to watch. And I'm really surprised with it being a child that that somehow got past things. Like, I, it's just, it's shocking to me. Like, that, 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 because it, even though it's like supernatural, it's so graphic. I mean, um, at the same time, uh, I really like that idea. I really like um, those actors that are in that cult. And I like, I like the stuff with Doc Holleran. I like the stuff with Wendy. I like those like memories that he has when he's remembering them. Um, the guy that does the Scatman Crothers like kind of impersonation in some ways is fantastic. Um, I like those scenes a lot. It makes sense that Danny grows up to be a drunk. It does. Like, um, I think that I wanted more out of the Danny Torrance character in some ways. And that could be because I maybe feel too much of a connection to that character. Like I personalize it too much. So I expect more out of him um, than what he became. Um, so that could be me personalizing things too much, but I thought that you're right. His performance is really strong in this. And I liked, I like the stuff in the woods um so at this point like we're getting into probably spoilers um like like specific plot points so you might want to skip ahead like five minutes but um i love the sh the way it was filmed in the woods where they go into the woods and are um shooting the cult members oh right the ambush yeah yeah i i think that's really well filmed um and at that point i really was thinking like where the hell is this movie going if they're like taking everybody out that's the point where it turns for me. It's when they go back to the Overlook. Um, it leads to, to me, the best scene in the entire movie. But at the same time, I think everything else surrounding it came as, as, as much as the set design is incredible in the way that they recreate all of that. I thought it ended up coming off as cartoonish and exactly what King would love in terms of how, if he could have reimagined to some degree Kubrick's version of the Overlook Hotel and the denizens of that hotel. Um, I thought it came off as looking rather silly, like a haunted hayride replica of those characters um and i thought the plot element of like taking her back there was forced um and i did not like the ending of this movie necessarily um in terms of like all of those elements of it um it made sense like in the sense of like from a character arc of him going back there, confronting his demons, sacrificing himself, all those things. His character arc, it made perfect sense. I still didn't like the last like 30 minutes of this movie, really, except for what I think is the best scene in that movie, which is 
Danny sitting down at the bar and talking to his father, which I think is the best scene in this entire movie. Oh yeah, an, an amazing scene, and one of the reasons why, like, I love that decision to bring them back to be overlooked. Right, so, that's the that's the irony. Of what I'm saying is that, like, I do not like the idea of going back to the overlook, considering how it was done. It just even though it led to the best scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't that, know. Like, I'm, I. Yeah, I I disagree with you on like I don't know I I think so. The overlook kind of plays a part in the book as well, um, without spoiling the book too much. Then you've never read it, and you probably never will. But, I never will. So you can go ahead. Um, just in general, like where they have his body buried um, is where the overlook was, mm-hmm. and they're using that as a place where there once was a great evil, that they can like gather their power there. Yeah. Um. So whatever. Like that's it's it's different in that sense, and really because King drags it out so long with the True Knot. And you're right. Like the True Knot stuff in this movie is fantastic. Like all those characters, all those actors do a great job. But it takes forever for him to die, and Flanagan just puts them all in one place and kills all of them, just to leave you with Crow Daddy and Rose, so you can move along, you know, and like actually like keep the movie whatever like under like four hours which is what it would have had to be right um i don't know like i i i agree that some of the stuff inside the overlook is hokey a little bit but i think that's the way that i took it was danny Like, these things are cartoonish now because it was from a child's brain. You know what I mean? Like, they're not... Like, the ghosts are real, but it's more the malevolence of the Overlook that's real as opposed to, like, the individual creatures, whatever, that inhabit it. And I just... I don't know. Like, I... I thought it was a a clever way to kill her. Um, the, The one thing I didn't like, so if I had one complaint, was the elevator blood thing I thought was silly when they did it. Like, that was the one part where I was like, okay, well, this is, like, ridiculous. But I like the idea of Danny finally, like, finding peace by just, like, accepting and just letting it burn, you know? Right. Like, be, like burning with it and, like, yeah. still being around to, like, help Abra, like, from the afterlife or whatever, whatever right. you want to. Yeah, like then I don't know. Like I, I really. Yeah, I, I think uh, while I can maybe accept that if I thought about it more as like some sort of kayfabe explanation of like why they look the way they do, um, it doesn't take away my distaste for the way that they look, and it just feels like some of the same. Compl- it's, it's not quite the same, but it's close. Of like the cartoonishness of like house of a thousand corpses and how it felt like, um, like I said, like haunted Valley, like, you know, haunted house type feel to it. Like the Grady stuff, like the way Grady looked like, I, I don't know, man. And the little girls. I I thought Grady looked good. Yeah. I thought he looked like cartoon. Um, I thought he looked waxy and like cartoonish and like, it was like fake blood. Like, um, it, it was, I don't know. It was just weird. Um, I mean, isn't that the point, though, really, is that, like, it's lost its mystique of being, like, an actual place, so now it really is just kind of like a, 
Yeah, I don't. The haunted house attraction? Well, like it's or, not, no. It's not a thing anymore. Like it doesn't have like the power of having people in it that it can like you know whatever like restock its reserves or however you want to like say that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if you know, I, I mean I think maybe I mean I, I, I think because they don't say yeah, anything right it's all conjecture at that point because they don't say anything um but whatever I, I think it's all to some degree as much as I dislike the ending of this movie and the way that they did like a lot of the look of the overlook stuff I thought that that scene where Henry and Henry Thomas um is amazing as Jack Torrance yes in that scene um what right. he, Again, when, a, a, a fantastic performance of somebody that's being reverential to an iconic performance without being like derivative or right hammy or whatever yes absolutely like um him when he's doing lloyd you don't see it you know when he's like playing the lloyd character right and as soon as he kind of breaks and finally acknowledges that he is Jack Torrance to his son and it is it's a very good impersonation like you said without it becoming like a like mockery or like parody or something like that like um extremely well done I thought that like the the meaning behind all that actually I thought it explained Nicholson's character in The Shining extremely well because you get hints of it of how he really feels in the movie but like to hear it coming out of his mouth in terms of oh god it's like this like um subversion like the subverted distorted form of like ulysses um where it's like mouths that eat and cry and whine and like um that he goes through of like all and describes like how much of a drain Wendy and Danny were on him. Yeah. Like that whole little speech where it's like, and a man just wants something to make him feel warm and tells him again, references that line from the shining of like, you know, like, you know, come take your medicine. Um, you know, are you ready? Are you ready for your medicine or whatever? And it's like, Jesus Christ, that's disturbing. Um, and I probably think it's more disturbing just because I associate that stuff with my father so much. But um, but yeah, that was really hard to watch. And it's like the ultimate fuck you um, in some ways is that he's just trying to get – he's trying to go there to get some closure um, with his father. And it's like he just wants acknowledgement at first. And he finally gets the acknowledgement. And it's like the acknowledgement means he can the the actual acknowledgement that they get that he gives him means he can never have any closure. Um, and it's like the biggest like kind of like just evil fuck you like in the world to the Danny Torrance character. Yeah. Um. Uh. So he's still kind of just like destroying him from the grave even at that point. Um. No, I thought that scene's incredible. Um. Incredibly well written. Incredibly well acted. And. Um, kind of like the crown jewel of that entire movie, really. Despite all of it being really good, so I I just had some problems with that overlook stuff. Like that, that's really it. Like from a storytelling standpoint and the way it looked, but overall, it's a good movie. I think. Yeah, I was really um, I was really impressed with it, considering I expected nothing. So. 
yeah sure i remember i didn't want to go see this um like at all like i was i was i was to the point of refusing to see it until you convinced me and then we still didn't see it <laughs> right we just got drunk by accident and then by accident yeah sure um <clears throat> yeah do you remember, do, right do you remember in the shining it never shows what's being poured does it like in terms of the liquor mm. no but it's jack daniels in the book isn't it is it i don't remember i haven't read that since i was like 13 years old 14. i'm almost positive that it's it's jack in the book okay and um, I, think, I would imagine it's probably just some sort of like rights or marketing or you know licensing yeah in relation to like the kubrick thing yeah because that really that was that was some shit seeing him poor jack um in this movie um that 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 affected me in some way yeah um yeah um all right so Flanagan, just kind of finish up and wrap up on Flanagan in general. Um, I watched a couple of his movies this week. Before I Wake, have you seen that? It sounds familiar. I'm not sure. Little Boy Has Dreams. And... No, I haven't. It's on my list. Okay. Um, and then I watched Hush. Hush and... I thought was decent. Yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought it was decent for what it was. Um, I thought it was well done. Um, and then I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Oculus yet. You said that's good? Yeah, I thought Oculus was decent. Yeah, okay. Um, um, is decent too. What's that? Absentia. Absentia. Mm, is okay. And um, his Gerald's Game adaptation on Netflix is good as well. Yeah, I meant to watch that, but um, I don't, I don't know why I haven't. I guess because I really wasn't a big fan of that book, so I just avoided it, but. Um, but yeah, now he's building himself a nice little career. Um, and he gets a lot of praise from like a lot of people. Um, I know King is really high on him. Um, I know I've seen in print where Tarantino's, um, praised him before. I can't remember who else I've seen. Um, somebody, some other body that's like big in horror has like praised him. And he has what the haunting of Bly house, Bly Manor, yeah. Bly Manor. Um, Not someday. Yeah, it's it's coming out. Um, uh, they announced it. It's October thirty first, um, this year that it'll be out. Fine. <laughs> right. Okay. So number one on your list is 2019's Jojo Rabbit. It is directed by Tika Watiti. It stars Roman Griffin Davis, Thomason McKenzie, Tika Watiti himself, Rebel Wilson, Sam Rockwell, Stephen Merchant. Has a 79% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 94% from audiences. Tell huh. us a little bit about that movie. Um, what does it you like about it and why it's number one? And at some point, try to work in the expl what you think the explanation could be for the low critic score versus high audience score. I'm stumped on that one. Um, it's a movie about a. Uh, uh, young kid like 10 years old in world war ii nazi germany uh nicknamed jojo um super like indoctrinated into like the nights nazi ideology but kind of a goofball and a klutz 
Um, so he's not really like particularly liked or accepted by anyone else that, you know, in his age range. Um, because he's alone, he kind of manifests his, his father's gone. Um, he lives with Scarlett Johansson, his mother. Um, he manifests a father figure in a cartoonish um, Adolf Hitler, uh, played by Tika Watiti, um, who's kind of a shit. I don't even know what you would call him, like a ridiculous character caricature of Hitler, mm. um, just in terms of like his speech patterns and his whatever. Um, but Jojo wants to be like a good Nazi. Wants to be, you know, he like fully buys into all the propaganda, especially regarding like Jews and whatnot. Um, discovers that his mother is hiding a uh, Jewish girl who was his sister's classmate in the attic. Um, doesn't want to get his mother in trouble, but also like is trying to understand why or she would do it. Um, over time, kind of forms an empathetic bond with the um, the girl. Um, then his mother is killed. Um, and he has to, whatever, like he, basically his mother is killed and then the allies invade. Um, there's a, what is, what's that actor's name? The guy that plays like the friendly, um, the friendly German. Uh the one at the end that like helps. Sam, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Plays a closeted gay um, German captain, um, who helps, like basically is gunned down, like helping Jojo by pushing Jojo off as like not a Nazi, so he's not whatever taken by the Americans. And in the end, you know, towards the end, he kind of pushes away the Hitler father figure whatever like manifestation for his own thoughts and his own like becoming his own man i don't know i didn't really explain it very well because there's a lot of stuff that i think would take too long to like kind of work through like it works really well when you watch it as a movie right um the basic premise of him like kind of like growing this child like growing through the propaganda and past it and seeing like the good in other people and looking beyond there's some fucking hilarious stuff in this movie too like mm -hmm the book that he writes about like the Jewish. So he's asking her questions because he wants to basically create a field manual for like combating the Jew. And she tells him all this ridiculous stuff. And like, he writes it and the Nazis find it. And they're like, Oh, this, anyway, it's some really funny scenes with that stuff. And the stuff with, with Taika Waititi playing Hitler is friggin' hilarious at points. Yeah. Like just his, his mannerisms and turning him into like this oafish, goon basically um yeah. i don't know it's just really well done it's really poignant like there's some really really sad moments in this movie especially because here's a kid who's lost like his parents and is alone and the only thing he has is the the propaganda of the state and like you know he grows beyond that and his little fat friend who's also like a, a really bad nazi um it's got a lot of really good humor in it. Like it's really well directed. Um, it kind of reminds me of the energy of like the best Wes Anderson movies in the way that what he directs it, but not as like cloying or like overly preciously sentimental, you know, like Wes Anderson can be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's like a nearly perfect movie. Um, you asked me via text, whether 
after seeing this movie, I still thought Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in America was the best movie. Uh, which I do. Like, I still think that was the best movie last year, but this is, like, a really fucking close second. Um, I don't know, just really, from start to finish, a really great, poignant, coming-of-age movie. Kind of like kind of like the anti-tin drum, in a way. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. a similar feel in terms of, like, almost like a fairy tale imagination of a, of a child, but just, like, kind of the child is, like, the opposite. Like, instead of being almost like a harbinger of doom you know like an adult in a child's body this is a child pretending to be an adult who finds like growth and you know is like a beacon of hope sort of so okay so some random i first of all i should say i think i think this was an it's like what do they talk about like you know and like ice skating and stuff like that it's like um like the difficulty levels of things um like you know like affect this like you know kind of can affect the score and it's like um what would be the thing like uh, this is like this is what he's trying to do here is trying to almost like you said wes anderson eyes world war ii and nazi germany and hitler and to me to try to balance those things is like what like a like a like a triple axle like it is it's it's a high level of difficulty to do this and do it right um and 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 stick the landing and i think that um i think that's where like a lot of the criticism kind of comes in is like how how much people think he sticks the landing of being able to try to deal with this subject matter in the zany entertaining way that he tries to do it um so you can probably imagine with critics at least like that's maybe where some of these negative reviews come from is kind of like disagreeing with i think both you and i that he kind of nails it um so some people tend to think that it is too simplistic um in terms of it's not going into the horrors of the war enough and and of what happened in germany um enough so first of all how would you respond to that that's not what it's about okay then what is so okay so fuck when were we talking about this we talked about it during the Wind Talkers. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So yes, please check out like our our our, our mini cast, uh, the Quick Cage, um, releases on Tuesdays most weeks. Um, this past week we talked about the Wind Talkers, um, the Nicholas Cage um, travesty. So go ahead. <clears throat> so how many fucking movies do you need? about the same thing you know what i mean like there are plenty of movies that are very somber looks at world war ii and particularly the nazis and their extermination of you know the jews and there's plenty of hard like very effective movies you can watch that are about that subject that's not the movie he's making here this is a movie about this is a coming of age story about rising beyond you know your nation like 
not being sucked into nationalism and not being sucked into like groupthink and not just being part of something because you happen to have been born in a place. You know, like it's really I mean a really important like idea I think in this day and age that we don't need to just be like fucking Nazis because our parents were Nazis or whatever. Right, not to say right. any of our parents were Nazis, but it's like he's making it, it's it, it's a sad now thing. now I'm starting to suspect that it's it's a it's a black comedy, you know. Like how right. could you how could you put like a concentration camp in a black comedy and not have it be the most reviled thing ever? You know what I mean? Like that would be like disgusting. Right. So he does he you it, I mean I I think it's an incredibly tightrope thin margin that this man is walking mm -hmm. even using the nazis at all to tell this story because sure. it's not like a a comfortable or an accepted topic for comedy especially by non-germans outside of germany so and, let me okay so as you're talking about the, the representation here of germans another thing that i've seen criticized in this is that there might be too much sympathy with german soldiers I mean, the only one that's shown any kind of sympathy at all from like a like an audience standpoint is the Sam Rockwell Nazi, who ends up getting gunned down by American soldiers. So it's not like he's right. spared. You know what I mean? It's just like, and he's never like renouncing like the Nazi ideology. He just helps JoJo, right? And he's gay. I mean, that's. Right. Like, maybe it's implied that, I don't know. I think that people don't understand parody, you know? Right. And again, I think it's an incredibly bold and risky thing to make a parody around. And I know it's based on a book and whatever, but it still is like, for most people, still like a conversation that they don't, you know, that's difficult to have. And... I don't know. I think he does it pretty brilliantly. Like, I think the movie's yeah. funny. I think it's touching. And I think it, especially in an age where we have people in this country, like openly embracing things like white nationalism and, you know, racial divide and like the purity of the species and fucking shit that you thought was dead, like 20 years ago. Like, I think it's important to see a movie that's overtly, or, you know, a good criticism of those ideologies and basically like saying that we need to love each other and accept each other as humans in order to move along or you're going to fucking die out. But there's good people on both sides though, right? <laughs> I don't think um, the Nazis are portrayed as good people, but I mean, except yeah. for Jojo himself. Yeah, I was just being facetious. I, um, Another thing that's criticized is still trying to play laughs in the last quarter of the movie at times. Um, basically, like, after the death in the movie and then the war erupting and still trying to play things for laughs is criticized because they basically that the movie just stops being funny at that point. And they shouldn't be trying to play laughs. It's a fucking comedy, though. I mean, it's very tragic at that point, but sure. it doesn't stop being a comedy. 
I think the little like heavy set boy, like when the war's erupting and the, he's talking like to his heavy set little heavy set friend, um, I think that shit's hilarious. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. But it's also like really kind of sad. Like you're yes. laughing. Right. Yeah. In spite of yourself. Anyway, right. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Um yeah, I thought this was a good movie. Um I don't really get like the, the criticisms of it too much, um, I'll be honest. Um I think that this is gonna make me sound like a bad um bad liberal. Um I think the seventy nine percent is reflected in um being overly overly sensitive at times. Um um, doesn't mean I can't possibly see the points they're making, but I think it's being overly sensitive, ignoring the fact of like the the situation, what he's trying to do, um, and then other people being um, purposefully up, like a kind of like a, a negative um, because it's um, far left people um, are being ne- overly like uh, negative in like a bad faith kind of way. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I just, I think that some people are so, you know what, I'm, I grew up in an age where Nazis were like a convenient enemy most of the times and were a joke in a lot of things that I saw. And so it's hard for me to like. Hogan's Heroes. Sure. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like all that stuff. And sure. Just in general, like, Nazis were, you know, like, the comics I read. Like, Captain America was fighting fucking Nazis, or the Red Skull was a Nazi. Like, it was a trope. Right. So, I understand that we're more sensitive now, and, you know, we take it more seriously. But, again, like, how many fucking World War II movies do there need to be? Yeah. You know? Like, this is not a World War II movie. This is a coming-of-age movie set in the backdrop of World War II with an absolutely ridiculous portrayal of Adolf Hitler as like a right. moderately insane, like sort of effeminate, I don't know, big brother to like this little shut-in kid who's got yeah. no, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's... I mean, in some ways, isn't, isn't this what... Con- like, look, as much as we've talked about Inglorious Bastards during the Tarantino retrospective, but, um, and I think it's documented from both of us that, like, uh, our distaste for that movie, but at the same time, isn't kind of what Tarantino does with that movie is kills the Nazi movie? Like, once right. and forever? I mean, that's the point, at least, even, you can debate its success, but it's like, that's the point, right? Is like, we're, I'm going to flip history because this movie is like this movie and the way it plays out is dead. I agree with that. So isn't this the natural, if you're going to do Nazi Germany, isn't this the natural evolution of that? Maybe. Is this, is this, this, this is post killing is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, people are so always going to make those movies. It's yeah. an easy like it's the easiest movie to make in a lot right. of ways. Yeah. You you don't ever have to worry about like providing any kind of nuance to your villain because no one wants to hear 
the story of like the sympathetic Nazi, you know? Yeah. To the point of what a lot of those people are making, but again, Sam Rockwell is the only one that comes close to that. Mm-hmm. And he still is gunned down at the end of that movie. So it's not like he even escapes, you know, his um fucking just desserts or however you want to say it. Right. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't go so far as to call this movie brilliant, but I think it's extreme. It's very, very good. And it's very, very funny. Um, and one of the best movies I've seen in the past five years is what I would say at the end of this. I do think Steven little role was. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I really like it a lot. I think it's all really good. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts on this list? No. You know, just um, it's always fun to do. Yeah. Um, I actually like. I like the i. I liked keeping the movies because there's been a lot of stuff that I've seen from like you know decades ago recently mm-hmm. that are new to me. But I really, I, I kind of like the idea of keeping everything sort of sequestered within the past six to eight months. Okay. Okay. But I would like to do maybe one where we do it where it's like, like the flashback fresh five or something where it is like older movies. But okay, like pointing out like new and interesting directors is the best way to like, but you know, keep the movie industry like healthy and relevant because I, you know, after this fucking debacle that we were living through a present, like it's becoming increasingly apparent that we don't need movie theaters to survive and I think that's a shame so like I'm good with the idea of I don't know like basically like pointing out newer directors you know people that you might want to keep an eye on or check out theirs or actors that are impressive and I don't know so well why don't we do this from now on is June and we'll figure out a way to do it in December or maybe November or something like that, depending on how the schedule goes, but we'll do one mid year and end of year. Um, or maybe do it in January or something like that. Uh, maybe that'll work better. And we just do a fresh five, like once every six months and you start keeping track basically for six months of what you've watched. Yeah. sounds good to me. And we just do it from, basically new releases in the past year yeah i think that's a good idea okay so yeah no i i enjoy this too of like it forces me a little bit more to kind of like keep up with some modern movies where maybe i wouldn't do that naturally um so i i I, that's one of the reasons i like it so much yeah yeah i enjoy doing it a lot yeah okay um so like i said we'll be taking off next week for father's day happy early father's day frank um and um uh we'll be back with the top five tropical movies um which i'm slowly working my way through um and and then i get to follow that up with watching the worst five (laughs) worst blockbusters of all time yeah that was just so bad Oh, the they're they're so long too, Frank. Like all I those know. movies are super long. You fucked me like real good. 
Um, That's part of my critique of a few of them, too. Right. <laughs> and then we will follow that up with the best five blockbusters um, of all time. And then Which we are also long in some ways. There's some long movies there. There are. There are. There are. Um, but they're good. So they're maybe, you know, it's worth it. Um, Thank you. So, and then um, we'll finish the month with the uh, the top five Americana movies. Uh, which is the list that Frank actually developed last July. Um, we've been holding on to. So, uh, okay. Any final thoughts for the night, Frank? No. Again, it was a fun. Um, yeah. It was nice to like revisit these movies. Um, made me remind reminded me as to why I liked all of them in the first place. Right. So. Okay. All right. So that's the podcast night, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Remember, if you have any suggestions, contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or our Gmail, twoguys5movies at gmail.com. Everybody have a good week, and um, thanks for listening again. Yep. Have a good night.